Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Jamie Creel with Shelter Insurance. Come see how we've built a name that you can trust and why it is a must to get your free quote today with our Switch and Save. Located in Ridgeland and Florida, Mississippi, give us a call, 601-992-6000. This is Rebecca Turner, and thank you for listening to the Good Things Podcast here on Super Talk Mississippi. It's Mississippi's Radio Happy Hour. Well, I'm going to Mississippi, Mississippi, here I come. You're listening to Good Things with Rebecca Turner. Well, I'm going to Mississippi, Mississippi, here I come. Bringing you the good stories of Mississippi's people, places, and things to do. Now, now, here's Rebecca. Good afternoon, Super Talk Mississippi. You're tuned into your radio happy hour. That's the good things. I'm your host, Rebecca Turner. Now, don't forget, you can listen to good things. We are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. We're also streaming from the Super Talk Mississippi app. Of course, you can always find us, too, on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station. And you can watch good things. We are on your computer or your mobile device. Just head on over to supertalktv.com. And today, we get to talk to only one in the state that has this recognition. Her name's Kristen Rain. She's the only of the little wine shop in Hattiesburg. She already has me intrigued. And she recently became the first Mississippian to complete her diploma, love that, with the Wine and Spirits Education Trust. And Kristen, I believe I went to the wrong school and got the wrong diploma in life. But congratulations and welcome. Thanks so much for having me, Rebecca. Well, I think this is really cool, and I'm sure you get a lot of jokes about that, too, right? Like, a a lot of wine lovers are like, man, I wish I had a diploma in wine and spirits education. But there's a little bit more to it than that. So, first off, how do you even explain to people what the Wine and Spirits Education Trust is? Yeah, so Wine and Spirits Education Trust is... Um, it's a school that's located out of London or a certification body that's located out of London. Um, but they have approved program provider schools all throughout the United States of America. So um, for this one, you can um, you can kind of specialize in either wine or spirits. Obviously, I got mine in wine because that's, that's my uh, interest level. Um, but it's four different levels. Um, the fourth level culminates in their diploma program um, where you learn all things about wine and geography and history and everything that kind of goes into to making that um, I had to travel to Washington DC to take uh, all of my diploma level examination so that that fourth level kind of encompasses um, five different exams and then a paper that you have to write at the end so I did a lot of traveling over the last two years to get that uh, that diploma a lot of tasting of wine and, uh, and a lot of reading so Sounds like a terrible job, you know, I mean, but somebody has to do it. Right, Kristen. Right. So what does this give you? I mean, obviously, it's a prestigious group. There's only, I think, 12,000 I saw graduates around the world. And when you think about in terms of, you know, world graduates, that's not a whole lot. So why did you put this as a goal to sort of help with your career in the wine uh, wine business here in Mississippi? Right. So, well, in. I initially just started as it was just an interest level. And so those first kind of levels one through even three, you can just be a wine enthusiast um, and go and take those courses. And in fact, a lot of people are wine enthusiasts that take those. And so at the time I was not in the wine industry, I had read some um, wine books and kind of knew that certifications were a thing. And there's, there's several different routes that you can take. You can do the sommelier route, which is more for people in the service industry um, that work in restaurants, or you can do what I've done, which is really more for people that become educators um, or journalists or, or wine critics. And so um, just out of an interest, I began um, 
studying and, and, and taking these certification courses. Um, and then that led to the opening of the wine shop. So we're coming up actually on our uh, two-year anniversary of being open this week. Um, this Wednesday actually will be our two-year anniversary. Um, but I continue to, to go and get those certifications um, because I love teaching. I love educating people about wine. Um, and I love getting that knowledge myself. So um, initially kind of started just with an interest level and then thought, okay, this could help uh, with the wine shop that we've recently opened. Um, and now I'm thinking more forward into perhaps bringing more formal certification level education here uh, to Mississippi as well. I feel like the wine um, industry is an industry that maybe is just gaining, or I guess wine knowledge, or expanding that. It's a small group of, of people, or I guess it's a small town within its own self, um, but it it's growing. More people are more interested in what they're drinking, where it's from, the benefits of it, or getting a little bit more curious instead of having that surface level um, interest into it. So I can see where this would be helpful in sort of growing your business, the little wine shop there in Hattiesburg. Did you see that there was a gap in um, offerings of wine within the Pine Belt area that maybe you could provide differently? Or is it more of just adding that education piece? Uh, a little bit of both, actually. So um, a lot of Previously, when I would shop, uh, I would see that it was difficult to find maybe some European-style wine. So here at our store, we have probably an equal amount of Italian wines, French wines, and American wines here domestically, and then a good mix of other wines that are a little bit more obscure from other places. Um, and I would say that I, I had a, a little bit more of a difficult time finding those in the past. Not that they couldn't be gotten here in Mississippi. Uh, you just kind of often had to talk to the shop owners and make special requests for that. Um, so I knew that it was possible to get these wines, um, but it's not something that you would see in stock necessarily all of uh, all of the time. Um, so, so definitely from from that standpoint, and then just with the you know the education um, standpoint, certainly there was a, a gap in that. So initially, once we I started getting certifications, um, my husband and I started a, a tasting group, a local tasting group with the American Wine Society. Um, and those are like little chapters that anyone can start. Um, I don't know how many they have all over the United States, but it's a fair amount. And so we, we had, we formed a local group here in Hattiesburg that met at a local restaurant and we simply made a Facebook page and put it out there that anybody that wanted to join us, we were going to be at this restaurant on this day sampling these wines and we would split the cost of the wines amongst those that attended. Um, and we did that for about a year and a half before COVID kind of shut things down. Um, but it's certainly one of the things that showed me was that people were thirsty, um, literally and, and figuratively for um, for that education and for that knowledge um, about wine and, and, and for something to do. And just something and so, to learn, too, because you can pair it like it's useful. It's useful information. It is useful information. Right. Like if you're going to have, you know, like either a dinner party or you're just more interested in culinary and how it all sort of fits together, the flavors and textures and the sort of all the things. You know, there's a right. there was a big movement for the interest in craft beer. I mean, you can't really make wine the same way at home like you can your your craft beer on like small batches, right. which interests people. But I think, you know, if people find joy in something, they want to explore explore it a little deeper and so why not wine is there a is like a world of information to learn if you're just sort of the you know the modest wine connoisseur like or can you really open up your mind to a lot of different things to think about when you pour a glass oh yeah i mean absolutely and that's one of the things that i have found to be the most fun about wine when you're learning about wine 
there's so much to know. It encompasses uh, a little bit of something for everyone. So if you're into science, there's science. If you're into geography, there's geography. If you're into history, there's history. Um, not only that, you can then taste what you've read about. You can travel to the places um, that, that you've read about, and you can meet the people that make these wines and the, the stories behind them. And so um, there's very few things out there that I think are as experiential as learning and, and, and tasting uh, about wine. If someone is like, ah, eh, one's really not for me, how do you sort of win them over, Kristen? Um, just keep on tasting. Uh, I think there is a wine for everyone. If you're if you're interested in adult beverages, um, perhaps you just haven't had the one that that um, is happy with your palate uh, just yet. So for some people, uh, oftentimes whenever you're starting out having wine. Uh, the first wines that you enjoy are going to be those that have a little bit of residual sugar to them um, and have a little bit of sweetness to them. They seem to be a little bit softer on, on the palate for most um, initial wine drinkers. Um, the vast majority of wines, though, actually don't have any residual sugar, and so they're going to fall into what they refer to as a dry category, which if you're new to wine, it may feel like a wine is bitter to you. Um, but as you um, as you taste more wines, something about your, your palate kind of changes and, and I feel like you begin to enjoy more of those drier style wines. But, um, yeah, just keep sampling wines until you find the one that, that agrees with you. Well, I will write that down as a prescription. Keep sampling yeah. wines until <laughs> I find all the ones that sort of, no, no, I mean, this sits home. I, I totally enjoy it, but I also am the nerd sort of behind it that loves learning about the different regions or sort of the different um, aspects of it. What was it for you, Kristen, that kind of got you the most interested in it as just a, more of a passion? Was it the science? Was it the geography? Like, what about uh, wine and the history of it or what to learn sort of drew you in to begin with? Um, certainly, certainly the, I enjoy the geography of it. The, the, the idea of reading about the Beaujolais region of France where they have these really, um, fruity, uh, red wines that are great for, um, for, for putting a chill on them. So you can refrigerate a red wine and, um, and that's good for us here in Mississippi because as we know, in the summertime, it's really hot and maybe red wines aren't the most refreshing category. And so reading about, hey, there's this place in, Bo- in France, in Beaujolais, where they make these chillable red wines that are, are really nice during the hot summer months. Um, and then going and finding uh, a Beaujolais in a store and taking that home and tasting that. Um, th- that to me was the thing that, that kind of drew me in the most was that let me learn about uh, a great variety, what's unique, what's different about it, and then actually go and seek that out and, and taste that. Kristen, can you stick with us? I got more wine questions for you. Sure, sure, absolutely. All righty, we got more with Kristen Rain. She's the owner of the Little Wine Shop in Hattiesburg coming up next. afternoon just a little brighter it's good things with rebecca turner on super talk mississippi 
back to good things. Don't forget, you can find us on your computer, your mobile device. Just head on over to supertalktv.com. We're continuing our conversation with Kristen Rain. She's the owner of the Little Wine Shop there in Hattiesburg, and she recently became the first Mississippian to complete her diploma with the Wine and Spirits Education Trust. And she's teaching us all things about wine today. Maybe not all things, so we need to go visit her shop and then pick her brain a little bit more, but at least an introduction to it. And Kristen, with Mississippi being such an agricultural state, sadly, wine is just not one of those uh, things that we can at least grow or produce as well. Do we have any homegrown Mississippi wines that you are aware of by any chance? So, yeah, we do, actually. Um, all 50 states uh, have at least one winery in them, which is surprising. And and when you start studying about wine, you, you see that uh, – the places where grapes can grow for wine production fall somewhere between the 30th and 50th uh, latitudinal line um, of, of the earth. And so we sit in that band where the temperature should be right for us. Um, and so we do grow some grapes, but the grapes that we do grow are typically slightly a little bit different. So there's tons of different species of, of, of grape varieties. And, and so the one that we're most familiar with, with, uh, with wines that are produced, is a different species of grape, actually, that we grow here in Mississippi. So you may have, uh, be familiar with Cuppernog or, or um, um, Muscadine. Mm-hmm. Um, that, those are grapes that we grow here. People do make wine out of them. They also make uh, really good jams and jellies out of them. Uh, as well, um, but slightly different species. So it's definitely possible to grow grape varieties here. Um, I've heard that Mississippi State is experimenting with some hybrid grape varieties that that can kind of uh, tolerate that. But one of the main reasons that we don't grow the, the traditional grape varieties like Pinot Noir and Chardonnay and Cabernet Sauvignon that you see growing in all the other wine regions of the world um, has to do with our summers. So it's, it's humid here and it's rainy here during the summer. And when you think about a place like uh, California, for instance, um, their entire summer is very dry, um, and so they get all of their rainfall during that winter time frame. The summers are a really dry growing season. Um, that's why they get all of those wildfires there during the summer time frame or towards the end of the summer because it is so hot and dry there. Um, and that's really what a grape needs. Uh, the traditional grape varieties, those international grape varieties, need to uh, to, to grow properly. Um, if we were to try to grow those same grape varieties here, your Cabernet and your, your Sauvignon Blanc, um, we're going to deal with a lot of fungal disease and a lot of rot uh, because of the humidity and the constant rain that we have here during the summer. Well, I still like the muscadine wine. In fact, I know Breckenridge Farms out of Shibuda. I don't know if they still send uh-huh. their muscadines for muscadine wine, um, but they used to. But they also make great uh, jams and jellies out of it as well. But, yeah, there's a country song about muscadine wine. It's coming to mind, but I can't remember. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I can't remember there's the name a, of it. Uh, there's a winery in Tupelo. It's really kind of a meadery, I know, called um, uh, Queen's Reward. Um, and so they make a honey wine. But I, I believe they're also getting co- great concentrate from other places. And then Old South is a Natchez, and I think they do more of the muscadine. And then other fruit wine like, um, you know, blueberries or strawberries or, or things like that. So, um, Oh, and actually in Poplarville, I heard that they're starting to make blueberry wine there. So different, different fruit wines um, you'll see a lot more commonly here in Mississippi. Well, I think that's cool and something definitely to try. And I think if you've ever been nervous about walking into a wine shop, kind of like the little wine shop there in Hattiesburg. I think the intimidation factor, Kristen, is what keeps a lot of us from expanding our horizons or to thinking things through. Number one, the price point can be all over the place when it comes to whatever different flavor of wine. And then, you know, the wording is sometimes complicated for us to say. 
<laughs> or to say, right. or you get like intimidated on how to order it or, or whatever it may be. So for the timid person who's like, I'm interested in it, you know, but I don't know. I don't even know where to start when I walk in. Hopefully you're going to walk into a nice shop like the little wine shop and someone will be kind to you. But what are some things to ask or what are some things to come with you in terms of making sure you leave with a wine, a good wine for whatever it is that you're trying to, to pair it with? Sure. Uh, I mean, it's always helpful if you have an idea of of something that you like. So you can come and say, typically I like a Chardonnay or typically I like a Pinot Noir or whatever it may be. But uh, that's not always the case with people, that they're not 100% certain what they do or, or, or don't like. Um, and so we, at our store, one of the things that we try to do is to kind of break things down very simply um, on the, the label for our customers. So you're going to know exactly what grapes are in there, where it's growing from. But something else that we do is we try to put anticipated uh, aromas and flavors uh, of that wine. And so we'll list um, typically three different things on there. It may be fruit flavors like strawberry or peach. Um, it may be um, other flavors like mushroom or uh, black pepper depending on the wine, just to try to help give those customers um, an understanding of what it is they could expect from that wine. Um, and so that that should kind of help guide them in the proper direction. We also lay out our store um, light to bold. So a lot of times you'll walk into a store and things are laid out by country. So all the French wines here, all the Italian wines here, or they will be laid out by grape variety. So all of the Cabernets in this section and all the Pinot Noirs in this section, which is great if you know what you're looking for. Um, but let's say you don't really know what you're looking for and you just know, hey, I, I've had a wine that's pretty light. I know I like a light wine or I've had a wine that's really bold. I know I like a bold wine. And so we lay our store out um, light to bold so that you can come in and you, if you know that you like a, a Pinot Noir, which tends to be a lighter bodied red wine, um, you can look in the lighter bodied section and you may decide you want to pick up a Gamay or a Dolcetto or a Sangiovese or something that's kind of similar as far as that, that profile of what you can expect with that wine. Um, and then the last thing that we do, um, which is really kind of a nod to Mississippi and them changing some laws uh, within the past two years, um, we do samples every day. So for the person who really, really doesn't know and is really trying to get into wine, um, it is possible now for every retail store, every package store to offer samples on a daily basis. Um, and so because that's uh, a possibility, we do that. So every day we're always pouring and sampling something. So anytime you come in the store, you're always able to sample a wine. Um, and a lot of times these are more obscure grape varieties like the Dolcetto from Italy that I just mentioned um, that you likely wouldn't come in looking for if you had not heard of it before, but you may taste it and then like it and decide, hey, yes, this is a bottle that I want to take home with me. Um, so those are kind of the things that we do. But as far as like questions to ask whenever you go in a store, one of the things I always like to do is ask whoever's working there, what are you drinking? What are you liking right now? And why are you liking it? Um, and that way you can kind of get an idea for um, for what they like and, and, and what they're guiding you to and why. If someone tells you, Kristen, that, you know, I like wine, I like the taste of it, but it doesn't like me. I wake up the next day with maybe my sinuses feeling funny or I just have a dry headache, whether I have a glass or a whole bottle. Is there any remedy sort of for that? Not necessarily like a true hangover. I mean, if you overdo anything, you're going to feel like poo the next day. But, you know, if you're just trying to enjoy a meal and elevate it with a nice glass of wine and then, you know, you kind of have the side effects, that stinks. So are there ways around that? Or do some people just have it? 
I, I, you know, I hear both of those uh, complaints and questions kind of all of the time. And so, um, yeah, you know, sometimes like as far as uh, feeling a little stuffy nose or something, um, sometimes it happens like right then as you're having that glass of wine. Sometimes it takes throughout the night for that to happen. If you're having a wine that you know that that typically happens with, um, I tell people you can take an antihistamine. Um, so wines naturally will have histamines in them and, and an antihistamine will kind of help to block those effects for that. As far as headaches go, I've done some very, um, very sophisticated research through Google. Um, not really, but um, it, people are kind of all over the map as far as why headaches happen for certain people with wine. Some people point to the tannins in red wine um, and say it's the tannins, uh, which is really kind of that astringent sensation that you get on the palate. That's, that's what a tannin feels like uh, in a wine. Um, some people will point to the sulfur uh, in a wine um, and say, oh, the, the sulfur that they add as a preservative so that my wine doesn't turn to vinegar. I think that's what's um, giving me the headache. Um, everything I've read uh, says if you have zero problem with packaged food or, like, dried fruit, um, those products have more sulfur added to them than, than wine cactus preservatives. So if you can eat packaged foods, dried fruits, things like that, and it doesn't uh, cause headaches, um, it's probably not the sulfur that's the culprit. Um, tannins, very few people are susceptible to tannins. So to me, I kind of think, um, I, personally, I point to the alcohol in it. So um, wines with higher levels of alcohol, 14% or higher, I think those can be the more headache-inducing wines. And then maybe, you know, indulging a little bit too much in those can also be the Never, Kristen, never. <laughs> it's never our fault with the size of pour, which I think restaurants right. just underpour all the time, you know. Someone should teach them what a big pour is. No, I'm just kidding. Um, this is so right. much good information. If they want to find you in Hattiesburg, where is the little wine shop? Yeah, so we are directly across from the University of Southern Mississippi. There's a little shopping center there called the District at Midtown. This is the same shopping center that Hotel Indigo is located in. All righty. Well, Kristen, congratulations. You'll have to come by and bring some samples one day. I won't turn you away. Yeah, awesome. Sounds like a plan. All right, we'll talk to you again, but you guys stick with us. we got more for you coming up next. Rebecca Turner. She looks healthy and sane. Good Things with Rebecca Turner continues on Super Talk Mississippi. You must really like the Jacksons. I did, doesn't everyone? 
You can watch good things on your computer or your mobile device. You can watch it on Roku, Amazon Fire TV devices, even YouTube. You can also watch good things live on Ceasefire TV. If you've got that, we're on Channel 70, right next to the Weather Channel, which many of us watched a lot of over the weekend. And sadly, we probably got a little bit more coming up, so always stay weather aware. And if you happen to miss our last guest, who was great talking about wines, you can always catch good things, too, in podcast form wherever you listen to podcasts. Have you ever had any Muscadine wine? I have, yes. Was it Mississippi Muscadine wine? It was. It was made by a friend. It was made by a f- Oh, so you can make wine out <clears throat> well, of Well, I don't know if that's legal or not, so I'm not going to divulge the person's name. So, well, when you think out. about making, and this is my limited, as much as I love the beverage, it's my limited knowledge of, like, how you make it. My simple brain goes straight to the I Love Lucy episode where <laughs> her and Ethel are stomping the grapes, and that's like, and they're, for whatever reason, I feel like on some level, everybody who is human, and has a, a, you know, sort of a, a, a adventurous spirit for a little bit wants to do that. Like you want to do it at least once just to feel what it would feel like and sort of see, yeah. you know, there's something in you that just wants to get in a big tub or a bat of grapes and just experience how she made it sort of look <laughs> on the on the episode. And then there's that thought of like, if that's really how wine is made, ugh. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to think about uh, think about that. I've actually had wine. And again, I don't know if they still use their musky dimes to make wine, but they used to in the past. Breckenridge uh, Farms in Shibuta was across the street from um, my in-laws uh, farm at one time. And they it was delicious. But it was sweet, sweet, sweet. Yes. So it's not something that you can, in my opinion, you wouldn't just drink like like by multiple glasses. The sugar alone would make you not feel good, but it would be a refreshing summertime kind of sipper on the back porch yeah. kind of thing. And then we've had uh, the mead out of Tupelo. Um, Queen, um, oh, now I forgot it, but, but it makes it out of the, the honey. That's a whole nother sort of industry of producing uh, wine from honey and bees. And it's, is it Melamede? I can't remember the exact name of it, but you can chime in 601 Nine, five. Form of, of alcohol that people made. Maybe so. You know, and this new trend, too, which is creating these non-alcoholic wines as well, is really picking up a speed where it just goes to show that people like pairing something with their meal that's just a little bit different than water or tea. And sometimes, you know, a soda just really doesn't hit it right either. And then you cannot have some of the lasting effects uh, for that. But I thought it was funny that we got the wine guru on on the same day that it's National Martini Day. So if you had your choice, are you going to go with a glass of wine or are you going to go with a martini? I'm not a I'm not a big drinker of either. I guess I would go wine over martini. I can't remember the last time I had a martini. That, again, too strong for me. I'm just because you must you must not be a sipper. No, I have a beer after I mow the grass. No, that's, but that's totally about, different. That's if you take it. something that's like fourteen or up percent alcohol, you have no, to sip it. Just, you can't I don't drink, drink it. it. I just don't drink that stuff. I feel like you don't get enough in a, out of a martini. <laughs> For what it costs. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a very little amount, right? It's a very little amount, but I do feel like there is something that comes with, like, I can't imagine 
order like um, making one at home. And there's some of you that are, are like, that's all you enjoy. I mean, if you think back going back to the I Love Lucy and you think about like that sort of t- uh, era of time in the household, you know, you walk if you walk in, you walk into their set or if you see them walk into their set, they actually have like the cart, the martini cart and sort of everything yeah. sort of set up in the home. If you watch renovation shows when they had like uh, uh, bars or things in the house that was like they were set up for martinis and all back 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 in the day, I guess back in the 50s um, in that way. But, it, it, you know, there's something neat to the whole shaking sort of the mythology of, of making it that I think is really cool. And then obviously, is it James Bond who, who made it? James Bond Sort of made it iconic in, in that way. Stirred. So if you're sitting in the right setting, I feel like they're cool to get because you get the olives and the whole thing. I just feel like you take away the scenery of a cool restaurant or at a party or something. They lose their looks for me. Right. But where a glass of wine can be good out of a solo cup. Like, I mean, it's <laughs> uh, either way. Chris and Tupelo said Queens reward meadery in Tupelo. So I don't know where Mellow I got Mellow from, but um, I think that's actually a subdivision in Mississippi. But besides the point, so it's Queens reward meadery in Tupelo. And I know that they are doing um, some really good things uh, in that way. I know there's a lot of push, too, to sort of change some of the laws around uh, the wine industry, which that were good things. Not going to argue about that here on whether that should be. But you do feel like there is some restriction on what Mississippians can get and sort of enjoy if they do have an affinity for wines that are hard to sort of get get to. It is also interesting to me, which I'm I mean, if you're a whiskey person, then you get it or a bourbon person. You understand the cost associated with some of these more rare uh, brands and so if you you snub at you know wine folks well you know it's the same sort of thing if you do with cigars or if you do with bourbon or if you do with uh um i was trying to think of the other ones that people sort of cling to and try to find um but there are these wine clubs that are ridiculous to buy into to sort of then get the opportunity to get some of these first wine or wines that are released or whatever it may be. I just can't imagine like opening something and drinking something that costs thousands, thousands of dollars. Like I just, I just, my mind, I can't wrap myself sort of around, around that. But it's the, it's the same thing. It's the aging process where it came from, the whole... But I'm a sucker for a story, too. So, like, I am one that if you sit there and you explain to me where it came from and how the, you know, they struggled as immigrants to come across and buy the land and build and plant everything and the whole thing, and then now I'm, like, emotionally invested into the bottle and then the, you know, the cow that was free... Like, right then, that's going to be the best meal ever because you've tapped into all my senses and the whole thing. And then if you would have served me that completely at home in a solo cup, I'd know their difference than the five ninety nine <laughs> wine that came out of the box. So, you know, there's something to it, too, about having just the appreciation of what all sort of goes into it or whatever, whatever that may be. When y'all travel for, like, you and your wife go overseas to Greece and all that, do y'all not tap into the local sort of wine? I mean, because that's a big Yeah, they, that's do, a big country. they do wines. Uh, my wife will try it occasionally. We're just not – we're not that big into it. But, yeah, there are people that go over there just for the wine. Uh, and they have wineries, these local, you know, it'd be, and it, you have the big corporate type wineries, but you might have a guy that just has a field of grapes out there and he makes his See? own stuff. 
Like that's, yeah. and then I'm gonna be like, it tastes amazing. It's yeah. like the difference between watermelons, local versus. I don't have the palate whatever. to tell the difference, so I'm, you know, whatever's cheapest. Name what another place though that's more or as intimidating or more intimidating to walk into a frou frou wine or liquor store. Liquor store sounds so less classy. Wine store, packing <laughs> shop, spirits, spirit store. store, right? Like that's that's. <laughs> <laughs> They sell the same thing, but if you call it a package store, it just feels yeah. a little a little more, uh, you know, like risque, but I'm going to the wine shop. It's like, you know. They both well, have the taco vodka, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. But uh, to me, name a more intimidating place to walk in and just try to sound like you know what you're talking about and instantly feel judged. Like, you could yeah. sell me... You know, something that that I have, you know, especially when it comes to like champagnes and things, you can walk out of there with a $200 bottle and it, you completely get taken or not or not understand the words. I've been to restaurants where they don't have any prices on the menu. It's it's scary. It's scary because you don't know, you know, <laughs> how much it's going to cost me and you don't know what's good. I mean, they, each one has a different and it has descriptions and all this kind of stuff. And Bo from Starfall wants to know when you go to Greece, do you drink O-U-Z-O? Ozu? Uzo, Uzo. Uh, we will occasionally if somebody buys it. It's it's nasty. It's like licorice liquor, which sounds about like it tastes. Uh, I've had it at funerals. I've had it at weddings. I've had it at parties. What it's, is it made from? Uh, is it wine? It's some sort of licorice flavored liquor. It's like uh, in Italy they use uh, I think anisette. Uh, it's strong. It's not very good it's not something you would sit around and you know like bourbon or something like that people don't people do sit, sit around and sip it but the majority of people don't don't i guess yeah. it's a cultural thing it is a cultural thing yeah it is big over there uh it's what they use at celebrations and parties and stuff like that again i had it at my wedding i've had it at funerals uh when they're celebrating or doing something you know to honor somebody they'll break out the ouzo uh, and it will give you the worst hangover you could possibly imagine. Make you want to die. Move over, Auntie Ann. I'm coming I in mean, with you. I mean, it is some rough stuff. Speaking of booze, though, in Mississippi, if you haven't tried Wonderbird Spirits, which is gin, that is something you can tell the difference. It's made right here in Oxford, Mississippi. If you, when you talk about botanicals and taste and all of that, they've made me a believer. You can definitely tell the difference in their homegrown product. But stick with us. we got more for you coming up next. And stories that make you smile. This is Good Things with Rebecca Turner on Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app, and at supertalk.fm. I know you want to leave me, but I refuse to let you go. 
Welcome back to Good Things. Don't forget you can listen. We are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. We're also streaming from the Supertalk Mississippi app. We hope you know you too can always find us on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. Talking about uh, wines and bourbons and drinks of all the sort of kind. Um, Will, they were talking about, Bo from Sartville said, they drank it in a scene from My Big Fat Greek Wedding, which is called, is it? Oh, say it again. Uzo. Uzo. Yeah, it's um, like a licorice flavored the only way I can really describe it, if you like licorice, oh boy, uh, it, and you like alcohol, this is the drink for you. Well, that's one thing that like humanity has in common. No matter where you go on the planet, we have figured out how to make alcohol out of something. <laughs> yes. <laughs> ferment Whether you're in a prison or you're in Napa it, Valley, it we can make alcohol. It doesn't mean that it's right or that we should be consuming it. I know you can get into the, at one point, you know, you made beer and wine and all of those sort of things to make it safer to drink than the water. I get like all of that. But then there's also just the fellowship sort of part of it. Not everyone takes it, you know, sort of to the extreme. It, be, it becomes part of their ritual and their culinary traditions. And one of my favorite uh, shows used to be, I don't watch it as much anymore, on the Travel Channel. It was Booze Traveler. And I always thought his name's Jack Maxwell. He had the coolest job ever. So he gets to travel, well, coolest and dangerous, because he gets to travel the world and learn about different cultures, I guess, like drinks of choice. Because everywhere has those different sort of spirits or wines or liquors or drinks that they use for toasting, for celebrating, for births, for weddings, for funerals and that kind of thing. And and not all are created equal. And so as much as I would be interested in doing it, I would be kind of like the Andrew Zimmerman, kind of nervous, too, because some of the things that they, you know, drink from or with or ferment probably to others, we would be completely just shocked, appalled and no thank you kind of way. Um, but it would be the same thing as if, you know, back in the day you came here and you got moonshine, right? Like that was kind of what was going on in the back and everyone knew the person to find or the way to sort of go. Um, I think the Mississippi um, History Museum or History of Mississippi, I can't remember how, the two museums, you know, they had that great um, installation, the distillery installation on sort of the history and the story of alcohol here in Mississippi and sort of where it's led to all the way up to, you know, where we sort of are now, considering we still have some dry counties, which, you know, is crazy to me. Um, But I mean, to each his own, we still have laws that, you know, keep us from having having it in in multiple places. Like you go across the line to Louisiana, you can pretty much get a daiquiri at church. I mean, you know, it's certain. Certain um, uh, times of the year, uh, for sure. Um, not saying that that should be the way necessarily here. It's just interesting to think about how different cultures or just different um, environments think about things differently or approach things sort of uh, differently as well. You just take different um you know, religions. You take Catholics. They're very, you know, um, welcoming into wine, into their rituals, as well as into their fellowship and their meals and stuff. And you take others and it's very, you know, dry and no and, you know, whatever it may be. And to me, I enjoy what Kristen was saying, like kind of having that um, 30,000 foot view and just sort of looking at it from just a curious standpoint on what's influencing people's decisions or thought processes or how it's sort of embedded in their culture or sort of their um, family's tradition. And it's kind of neat, like, you know, um, how that all sort of fits in differently. And then who you kind of learned those uh, traditions 
from and how they are passed down. Like so many who come from people who made moonshine have a more of an appreciation for it yeah. and the, the way that it was made or the way that it was even, you know, smuggled. <laughs> NASCAR, it's how we got NASCAR. Transported should be a better idea, you know. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's part of the story. It's, it's part of, uh, you know, part of the fabric of who we are and, um, what, what makes, what makes Christmas interesting. <laughs> that's, uh, that's definitely, um, that's definitely for sure. But what I took away is just being a little more curious. And I guess if that's something that you do enjoy, obviously not promoting, um, you to drink alcohol if that's not your your choice. But if that is somebody something that you do enjoy, walk into your local wine shop. Ask questions. If you're making steaks or burgers or whatever it may be, ask them what would pair nicely with it. Learn something about the region. Bring in a little more information uh, to your dinner party or I guess your Sunday afternoon um, meal. And you know, be a little more cultured. I guess is the way. I don't know. Yeah. You got it. Why not sort of give it a try? And then you never know. I'm taking antihistamine. I thought, really, we got to take medicine to drink? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> felt like I'm back in college for Advil and a Gatorade before before bed. will cure just about anything. Sorry, Mom, if you're listening. Uh, stick with us, though. We got more for you coming up next. You got the boys with Sports Talk Mississippi from 3 to 6. Rhino and I will actually be back here tomorrow at 2. But until then, I hope you all find time for the good things. Talk Mississippi Media Production.